Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 95 of the Money Love Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about the biggest bully in your life. Okay. We're going to be talking about a mean, mean girl today. And that is your brain. You guys, your own brain. She is a mean girl. She is a bully. We all have an inner mean girl inside of us that is keeping us small and stuck and broke. And I'm just going to tell you right now, this is going to be an episode that I think you're probably going to want to listen to more than once. If you are in a position to do so right now while you're listening to this episode, I would go ahead and just pull out a pen and paper so you can take notes. Today's episode really is going to be like psychology 101. <laughs> okay, we're going to get your entire psych class in in the next, you know, 30 to 40 minutes in this episode. And if you're not in a position where you can kind of take notes, then I encourage you to definitely come back and re-listen to this episode when you can because We're going to be talking about your brain today and really spending a lot of time understanding our brain and gaining an awareness over how it works and what it defaults to and why it does what it does. Because I think being able to understand why we do the things that we do, why we behave in a certain way, even just being able to gain that sense of awareness over what's going on in your own head is so key. Now, I don't know about you, this might just be me personally, but I love learning about this stuff. If I could go back and do it all over again and go through college again, I was a marketing major, I really think I would have gone back and been a psychology major because I think just understanding human beings and understanding our brains and our minds and just being like, oh, that's why I do that, or that's why I have gotten stuck in this habit loop. It's been so helpful for me. And what I always tell you guys and my clients is that awareness truly is the very first step that you have to take in any sort of behavior change. But then I think even going deeper than that and understanding like, okay, yes, I am doing these things and I'm creating these results that I'm not super wild about, but why? Why is that happening? And I think this episode is going to give you a lot, a lot of insight into that. So again, The next 30 or 40 minutes or so honestly might feel like you're back in college sitting in your psych 101 class, but I don't know. I love this stuff. I love it. I think it's so interesting and I hope you do too. Classes in session. (laughs) Okay. So I titled this episode, Your Brain is a Bully. And the first, I'm going to be making several points in this episode, but the first thing that I really want to just kind of call to your attention is that your brain has one job and one job only. The reason that your brain does what it does and operates the way that it does is because of this one job that it's been given to do, which is survival. It's to keep you alive. Our brains in the year 2023 still share many, many, many similarities with the brains of our ancestors from thousands, millions of years ago who were living a very different life than we live today. They were living in caves. They had no shelter. They had no food. They had no water. They had no community. I mean, all of that was literally up to them to go and find and secure so that they could survive. And so the brain was developed to enable that to happen. 
And of course, there have been changes and evolvements as time has gone on. But again, there are a lot of parts of us that are very similar to our ancestors that lived millions of years ago in a very, very different time. And even in today's world, we definitely don't have as many threats that we're faced with. Obviously, we are not in a position today where we are all having to go out and, you know, find our own shelter and food and water and go like kill anything that we're going to eat. Many of those things are really just available to us at a moment's notice, which is great, right? I mean, trust me, I'm so glad to be living in 2023 and not, you know, millions of years ago having to fend for my life in a cave. But it's just interesting to realize that, oh, my brain in a lot of ways, operates the very same way that someone's brain used to who had to fend for themselves. My brain operates in the same way in a lot of ways. That's the first thing that you have to know at the foundation of everything. Because once you understand, oh, my brain literally exists to keep me alive. Survival is my brain's number one job. It makes so much sense why our brain is constantly working against us when we are trying to do new things and create new results and push ourselves out of our comfort zone and grow and evolve. Your brain doesn't care about growing and evolving. Your brain cares about keeping you alive. So you have to understand that first and foremost, that's your brain's job, survival. Now, I want to take your brain and kind of break it up into two main parts. I once heard somebody describe this as like your upstairs brain and your downstairs brain, which for some reason that was just a very helpful visualization to me. But let's go ahead and start with your downstairs brain. The downstairs part of your brain is kind of the back and lower part of your brain. And I refer to this as your primitive brain, your caveman brain, your lizard brain. This part of your brain, it contains the brain stem, the limbic region, and something called the amygdala. And this is the intrinsic part of your brain. And this is the part of your brain that is responsible for just like basic functioning. So think breathing, blinking, having your heartbeat, flinching, your digestion, the things that are happening just automatically. Again, the basic functioning of your body. It's responsible for our innate responses. So this is the part of the brain that controls our fight or flight reactions. This is also the part of the brain that is responsible for engaging and creating our very strong emotions that, again, are very helpful for survival, like fear and anger. And so the amygdala is a big part that does this. It's like a little almond-shaped structure, and it's located in your downstairs brain. And your amygdala is responsible for processing and expressing these strong emotions like anger and fear. And your amygdala is the thing that is like always on the lookout for danger or when we feel threatened. And when the amygdala senses danger, it's going to override and overrule the upstairs brain that I'm going to talk about in a second and just completely hijack it and take it over, enabling us in a sense to just have automatic reactions. Okay. We act before we think, which is great, right? It's a very highly useful survival response. That is the primitive lower part of the brain. All of the automatic habits that we engage in without having to think, all of the subliminal, subconscious, automatic thinking that we do on a daily basis happens in the downstairs part of the brain. 
And I'm going to talk about something called the motivational triad in a second. But one of the main things that your brain always wants to be doing is conserving energy. And again, you guys, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Survival, right? When I'm trying to survive, I don't want to expend energy because I only have so much of it. So the brain's job is let's take the path of least resistance. Let's conserve energy. Let's make this easy. And so because of that, anything that can really be, you know, automated, anything that can be turned into a habit that you on a daily basis don't have to really give any conscious thought, effort, or energy to, your brain will do. So it's actually fantastic that we don't have to think about, okay, I need to take a breath in and I need to take a breath out and I need to blink my eyes and I need to be thinking about all these little things in my day that have just become routine that now I don't even have to give any sort of thought to because they've just become habitual. So just know that 90% of everything you do, you say, you think happens automatically kind of in the downstairs part of our brain. Then we have the upstairs part of our brain. And you guys have heard me talk about the upstairs part of your brain a lot because this is the part of your brain that is the human part of your brain. It's really what kind of differentiates us from animals, right? Our downstairs brain is really kind of like the animalistic part of us, the instinctual part of us. Our upstairs brain, which is called your prefrontal cortex, and your prefrontal cortex is located at the front of your brain. So it's like right behind your forehead. This is the part of your brain that dictates your personality, your goals, your values, and it's the area of your brain that is involved in executive functions like concentration, organization, judgment, reasoning, decision-making, creativity, emotional regulation, social abilities, abstract thinking. So in other words, your prefrontal cortex, your upstairs brain, is the part of our brain that we rely on to live a healthy life with healthy relationships with ourselves and with other people. 10% of the thinking and doing that we do happens from the upstairs part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex. And you guys have heard me call this your prefrontal power because this is the human part of our brain that will actually think past this very moment. The human part of our brain that isn't so concerned with survival and doing what feels good in this moment. It wants to make the decisions that are best for us, not today, but tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. So anytime you're sitting down and you're making goals or you're thinking about your future self or you're making a plan for your money, you're using your prefrontal power. Those are the two main parts of our brain. And again, it's just helpful to know, okay, we have the human prefrontal power part of our brain. That's about 10% of everything that we do. But it's also really helpful to know that we have our downstairs brain, our primitive brain, that drives about 90% of the rest of the stuff that we do. So we know that our brain's number one job is survival. We know that it really has kind of two main parts. But the part that I'm really going to be mostly focusing on in this episode, which is a little different because in most episodes, we actually focused on your prefrontal cortex and your prefrontal power. This episode, we're going to be focusing a lot on your downstairs brain, your primitive brain, because that is the part of your brain that's a bully. That is the part of your brain that is a mean girl. And so I want you to think about your downstairs brain, your caveman brain. And within that brain, there is something that is called the motivational triad. Motivational triad. It's called a triad because there's three parts of it. 
And there's really three things that motivate that primitive caveman part of your brain. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. Your caveman brain, who is trying to survive, even in the year 2023, is always trying to do one of those three things. It wants to push you towards the things that are going to feel good. It's going to try to keep you away from doing things that are painful or uncomfortable, avoid pain. And again, going back to the conserving energy, it wants to be efficient because being efficient conserves energy. And when it comes to survival, conserving energy is a very, very, very important thing for your brain to do for you. I want to kind of talk about all three of these. Two of them I'm really going to group together because they're kind of the same. They're just different sides of the coin. But I want to kind of explain to you why your brain is such a bully and why it is the way that it is. Okay. So let's first start with seek pleasure and avoid pain. Those two aspects of the motivational triad. When you understand that your primitive brain that's running the show 90% of the time is simply out there trying to do what feels good and trying to keep you away from what doesn't feel good. It's trying to seek pleasure and avoid pain. You can very clearly then see, oh, I understand now why my brain always wants me to spend the money to make the impulse buy and get the dopamine hit. It always wants me to drink the bottle of wine every night when I get home from work. It always wants me to eat the sleeve of Oreos. It always wants me to spend three hours a day just mindlessly scrolling TikTok. It makes perfect sense because those things are pleasurable to my brain because those things give my brain a dopamine hit. And your brain is always out to get the feel-good hormones, right? Like dopamine, serotonin. Your brain wants the things that feel good to it. And this is why if you choose to live your life and operate in your downstairs brain, your caveman brain, this part of your brain, if you let it run the show, will always be choosing instant gratification over delayed gratification. If you let your caveman brain run the show, it will always pick what feels best in this moment regardless of what the consequences of those choices will be in the future. Because think about it this way, your primitive brain is not thinking past this moment. Your prefrontal, your upstairs brain, your human brain, that's the part of your brain that is actually thinking about, wait a second, what are going to be the ramifications of this impulse purchase or of eating this sleeve of Oreos or wasting four hours of my day on social media? Your prefrontal will consider those things, but it's not the natural place for our mind to go. Your mind is just going to kind of live and rest in that caveman part of your brain. This is very, very helpful to understand why many times it feels very challenging and very difficult to actually make the disciplined choice in the moment. Because for many of us living in the downstairs part of our brain where instant gratification runs the show, That's just what becomes normal to us and practiced to us and familiar to us. And so breaking out of that cycle and shifting out of our downstairs brain and going to our upstairs brain, shifting into our prefrontal power is something that you actually have to practice and get better at over time, which I'm not going to lie to you guys is very, it's challenging and it's very uncomfortable to do that. And I've actually done a lot of episodes on this on the past on discipline, on instant versus delayed gratification. So if you're like, okay, well, how do I do that? 
go listen to those episodes. I'm not going to really get into that today. My one goal for this episode is for you to just go, oh, that makes total sense. Oh, I see why that would be now, right? Awareness, awareness, awareness. So when you understand that that's two points of the motivational triad, seek pleasure, avoid pain that your brain is always trying to push you to one or the other, it makes total sense, right? It also makes a lot of sense why when we try to do something that's going to push us outside of our comfort zone, when we want to form a new skill, when we want to learn something new, when we want to do something that we've never done before, we don't really think of those things as pain, like physical pain, but those things actually are quite uncomfortable to our brains because they require a lot of uncomfortable and negative emotions like courage, discomfort, uncertainty, and the brain views those things to be very painful, quote unquote, in a sense. Let's call them mentally painful, right? Emotionally painful. And so that's why if you don't try to consciously push yourself and move yourself forward, your downstairs brain, your caveman brain will be perfectly fine, perfectly content, just having you live a life of rinse and repeat, pulling your past into the future, just doing the same things over and over and over again, because that's pleasurable to it. So those are the first two points. Now let's talking about being efficient. There's a couple things that your brain is also going to do here in an effort to be efficient. The first thing I want you to know that your downstairs brain is always going to do is it's always going to default to your past. And it will always, always try to pull your past into the future. Your downstairs brain loves the past because the past is certain. The past has happened. And even like I've had some people say to me, well, I have a really bad past. Like my past is really crappy. I have a very traumatic past. I have a past where I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. I've created a lot of results that I don't like. And I'm here to tell you something. This is a big reason why your brain is such a bully is that your brain doesn't care about any of those things. Your brain simply cares that it's happened and it didn't kill you right? Like if you're still here standing, breathing, anything that's happened in your past, regardless of how bad it was or how traumatic it was to you, your brain doesn't really care. All it cares about is that it's happened and it knows it and it's familiar. And so it will always reference to the past, regardless of how nasty and bad your past is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't care. And so when we're actually in a position where we're wanting to move forward and you know create new results and do new things and kind of blow our own minds and reach our potential, your brain is going to look to the past to determine what you are capable of in the future. And this is probably the hardest thing that my students struggle with within overcoming overspending. And it's also a huge form of self-sabotage, which is using your past as a barometer to determine what you're capable of in the future. And so your brain, that's a mean girl, and your brain, that's a bully, will constantly be giving you thoughts like, yeah, but you've never done this before, or you've tried this before, and it didn't work. Remember, we have all this evidence to support the fact that you can't get it together. You're never going to be able to figure this out. This is never going to work out for you. Let's just stop before we even try. What's the point in trying? These are the things that your brain will say to you because A, it wants to avoid pain. It wants to stop you from growing. B, it wants to be efficient. It wants to reference your attempts to accomplish something in the past 
and use that as the benchmark of what you're capable of doing moving forward. And what I always want you guys to remember is that bringing your past into the future does not have to be an option if you don't want to. I'm always reminding you guys, listen, any result that you want to go out and create, you can just decide that that's what you want to do and that's what you want to create, even if you do not have any past evidence to support it. And we hear this all the time. People say like, well, I can't do that. There's no possible way that I could do that or that I could accomplish that. Or like, I don't even have the right to desire something like that. And I'm like, why not? And the reasoning usually is, well, because I've never been able to do it in the past. That's what I hear all of the time. And that's just your caveman primitive brain talking. Again, trying to avoid pain, trying to be efficient, but it will always bring your past into the future if you allow it to. So that's one piece of how your brain is always trying to be efficient is that it really doesn't like thinking about and imagining things that haven't happened yet because that requires a lot of energy. It always is just going to want to go back to, okay, this is what we know. This is what's familiar. It's happened. We can reference this and default to this. Another way that your brain is always trying to be efficient is in the way that it functions in terms of the information, the evidence that it chooses to allow in. You guys have definitely heard this term before. Again, psychology 101. But confirmation bias is your brain trying to be efficient. Confirmation bias, which is something that all of us do probably many, many, many times in our lives. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. But confirmation bias is the tendency to only gather evidence or information that confirms a previously held belief or a current belief that you have. And so once we come into a particular point of view, we will often only subconsciously seek ideas or absorb evidence that confirms what we already believe, and we will ignore and reject information that supports the contrary. And we do this for so many things, you guys. We do this for religion. We do it for politics. We do it for like social groups or social identities that we're a part of. You know, it's like whatever side you lean politically, it's like you only read the news and the media outlets that support that side. Or we choose to surround ourselves with people in our lives who look like us, behave like us, think like us, who support our current beliefs, and our current identity. And we want to ignore and reject anybody who looks different from us. Because again, at like a subconscious level, again, your brain trying to be efficient, that's very threatening to our brains. And your brain doesn't want to have evidence or information introduced to it that supports the opposite or the contrary of what you believe. Because A, that's just more work, more data for your brain to sort through, which is more work for it. B, in a sense, I know we don't really think about it this way, but from our primitive brains, it's like, oh, this is like a threat to my survival in a sense. And it's not efficient, right? It is not efficient for your brain to be like, well, this is true, but this also could be true. Your brain loves extremes. And we're going to talk about this extreme thinking in a second, but you guys, your brain loves extremes. It loves the black and white because you know what? The black and white is certain and your brain hates uncertainty. Your brain hates the middle ground, the gray area. When we believe something, we want to believe it very strongly. We want to say no. 
This is absolutely the truth. This is correct. I am right. Everyone else is wrong because when you have that level of conviction, it feels very safe to you and kind of opening yourself up to be like, well, this could be true, but this competing thing over here could also be true all at the same time. That limbo, that gray area is very confusing. So our brain hates that. But there is actually a part of our brain that kind of controls this filtering of information. And you guys might have heard of this before, but this is a part of our brain called the RAS, R-A-S. And R-A-S stands for the Reticular Activating System. And the RAS is kind of what controls this confirmation bias. It's like what creates the fact that we have confirmation bias. And I really want you to think of your RAS as a filter or kind of like a gate. So your RAS is the thing that is constantly filtering incoming data, evidence, messages. And the RAS is the thing that only allows in the most important messages through to the higher brain centers. So your RAS lets in the things that support your current beliefs, and it keeps out the things that does not support your current beliefs. Whatever is allowed through the gates, so to speak, that determines where our attention is going to be directed. And the RAS is essential, you guys, because the RAS prevents us from just being completely overloaded with information. We have millions upon millions of different points of, you know, messaging and and evidence and just things that are happening, you know, sensory things that are happening to us just on a daily basis. There's no possible way that we can absorb them all. And so your RAS is the thing that kind of decides like what's going to come in and what's not going to come in. And your RAS, of course, is only going to let through the things that are most efficient for your brain because it's really easy and efficient to go ahead and just let in the things that support your current beliefs. It's not efficient to let in the things that are contrary to the things that you believe. And so filtering is really important because it allows our brain to be efficient. And so it creates all these different shortcuts and filters for us to be able to conserve energy. So the RAS strengthens and it reinforces your beliefs. It's going to determine what you're going to focus on and it's going to determine what gets through the gate, right? It's the filter to your beliefs and what you deem important. And it is largely determined by your past experiences and beliefs. And this is where your limiting beliefs come in. This is why we spend so much time talking about your limiting beliefs around money and around your money self-concept, your spending self-concept. This is why it matters what you believe. Because whatever you believe, your RAS is constantly just going to be letting in evidence day after day after day to support those beliefs to the point where they don't even seem like thoughts or beliefs to you anymore. They actually seem like facts of the world that everyone should agree upon and that everyone should live their lives by, even though they're just your thoughts and beliefs. So things like money is hard, money is scarce. Money is a source of conflict. It's a source of pain. Rich people are evil. If you buy certain things, you're wasteful. If you spend money here, you're materialistic. Those are all thoughts and beliefs that are formed from your past. And then your RAS is always going to be letting in information and evidence that supports those things, which is ironic because then the thoughts and beliefs just become more reinforced. They feel more true to you, more real to you, and then they become even harder to break out of. 
The other thing that your brain does in trying to be efficient is it's going to create a lot of mental shortcuts for you. This is just so every single time your brain wants to have a thought or it wants to process a piece of stimuli or evidence, it's not having to go through this laborious process of making all of these connections. Your brain forms neural pathways that become very reinforced, very strengthened, that just start firing automatically, that become very practiced. And so I want to just give you guys some examples of what some of these mental shortcuts are, because I think hearing this, you guys will be like, oh yeah, I definitely do a lot of these, maybe all of these, some of these, but many of these mental shortcuts are negative thought patterns that in science they call cognitive distortions. Okay. So here's just an example of some of these. We've already talked about this one, polarized thinking. This is black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking. This is when we think in extremes without considering all of the possible facts or viewpoints in a given situation. Okay. So this is where you're like, all rich people are greedy. Money is evil in all situations. There's another type of distorted thinking called overgeneralization, which is kind of similar which is when we reach a conclusion about one event and then we incorrectly apply that conclusion to everything else all across the board. So in other words, you would assume that one negative event means that every subsequent event thereafter will also be negative. Maybe you just had an experience with, let's just say, a business that you started. It was a bad experience. It didn't work out well. And so now you will overgeneralize and you will apply that experience to all other future experiences that you might have of starting a business. Or maybe you had you know, a male boss in the past that was just a jerk and you hated working for him. And so now you will kind of apply that generalization to any male boss that you might have in the future. So you're like, my boss at this company was terrible and awful. Therefore, all of my other male bosses at any other future company will also be awful and terrible. Catastrophizing. So this is another part of distorted thinking where we assume the worst when faced with the unknown despite a lack of evidence. So when you are catastrophizing, Ordinary worries can quickly escalate. This is taking something that maybe, I'm not saying it's not a big deal, right? But maybe something that's like a smaller event. Maybe you accidentally overdraft your account and you get charged an overdraft fee, or you miss the payment date on your credit card and you're, you know, a day or two late paying your credit card. It's kind of taking a moment like that and kind of blowing it up into your mind as like this huge event. And it just becomes this like big thing in your head. And so you take that one thing and you're like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm screwed financially. This is going to ruin everything. My life is over. It's going to tank my credit score, all of those things, right? Personalization is another type of distorted thinking. So it's taking things personally that are not connected or caused by you at all. So you could be engaging in personalization if you blame yourself for circumstances that are not your fault or if there's circumstances that are beyond your control. So we can believe that we've been like intentionally excluded from things or we've been, you know, targeted for certain things. We take these events that really don't have much or anything to do with us at all and we kind of make those situations all about us. Mental filtering is another point. And again, this just very much goes along with the distorted thinking and your brain kind of always wanting to kind of focus on the negative. But mental filtering is a distorted thought pattern that involves the tendency to ignore the positives in a situation and focus exclusively on the negatives. And I feel like this is one that is a big struggle for so many of us, again, because our brain wants to tip towards the side of negativity. 
that makes sense because my brain is trying to keep me alive. (laughs) Survival is its number one's job. So it would make sense why my brain always kind of wants to focus on the bad, the danger, the negative. That is where your brain is always going to want to go. And so that's why I'm always telling you guys, really, really try to keep a 50-50. If you're going to spend 10 minutes ruminating and catastrophizing about worst case scenario, then you need to spend just as much time, the same amount of time thinking about best case scenario and also focusing on the positives, not just the negatives. Because I believe in every situation, you guys, there's good and there's bad. It's 50-50. Most situations are not entirely bad and most situations are not entirely good. Most situations have a mix of the two. But what our brains want to do is solely focus on the bad. And when we do that, when we engage in this mental filtering, it makes it really easy for us to just say like, oh my gosh, this is all bad. Labeling. Labeling is where we classify ourselves in a negative way following an undesirable event. So this is something that we do all the time, you guys, and especially with money and especially with spending money. We'll say, oh, well, I'm just a shopper. I'm a spender. I'm someone who blows it. So let's just say you have evidence in the past of maybe blowing through a paycheck and you will take that experience and create a label around it and you will label yourself. So what you're doing when you do that is you're reducing yourself or we often do this to other people. We are reducing other people to a single, usually negative characteristic or descriptor or past event. So again, you guys, these are all examples of distorted thinking. I hope that some of those kind of resonated with you and you're like, oh yeah, I definitely do some of those. I mean, look guys, I definitely do some of these for sure. But again, this is just your brain simply trying to be efficient. Your brain is going to be efficient by defaulting to the past. It's going to be efficient by making these mental shortcuts by filtering out any evidence that does not support what you currently believe and only allowing in evidence that does support what you believe, it's constantly going to be thinking in terms of negatives, in terms of scarcity, in terms of worst case scenario, and it's always going to be thinking in extremes. Because extremes, even if they are extremely negative, it's still efficient. And even if something is extremely negative, it still is certain. And your brain prefers certainty over positive thinking. I know that this is a lot of information, you guys. And I kind of feel like I've been rambling a little bit in this episode, just telling you all of these things about your brain. But I think when you really come to see, okay, this is my brain, and this is how my brain has been designed to work and designed to get me through my day-to-day life. First and foremost, it is just trying to keep me alive. That's all it cares about, and it's all it wants to do. My brain is a very smart brain, but there's two parts of my brain. There's the human part of my brain, and there's the primitive caveman part of my brain, the upstairs and the downstairs. And the downstairs part of my brain is going to be driving the show 90% of the time. And that is the part of my brain that wants to do one of three things. It wants to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and it wants to be efficient. And when I know that, I can understand why my brain does all of these things, why I'm constantly caught in these like thought patterns and these habit loops that seem so hard to break. 
But ultimately, at the end of the day, you guys, what we kind of have to realize is that your brain is a bully. It is. Your brain is a bully. And your brain is kind of a mean girl because at the end of the day, she does not have your best interest at heart. Because of all of the things that we've talked about today, I hope that that shows you that all she really wants to do is keep you stuck, keep you small, keep you broke, keep you in the cave, keep you doing the same things over and over and over because that's what she knows and that's what feels safe to her, even if it's against your highest good. Your brain is stubborn. She hates change. She wants you to stay still and stagnant and not to evolve to the highest version of yourself. That is going to require a lot of uncomfortable emotions from her. It's going to be uncertain and uncomfortable and require a lot of effort and energy. It goes totally against the motivational triad. She is always, always going to default to your past to determine what is possible for you in the future. And she will lie to you, you guys. She will lie, lie, lie. She will tell you what she knows that you need to hear and what you want to hear in order to get what she wants from you, which most of the time is a hit of some sort of feel-good hormone, whether that's dopamine or serotonin. And once she lies to you and she tells you all of these thoughts that seem very extreme but very true, it makes it that much harder to actually quiet that noise and not give into what feels best in this moment, but to do what's best for us in the future long-term. And I always tell you guys this, like your brain, she does not have your best interest at heart. She does not care about your financial future. Okay. And again, when I'm saying your brain, you guys remember, I'm talking about your caveman brain, the downstairs part of your brain. That part of your brain does not care about your financial future. And she's going to think in a lot of extreme ways and in a lot of negative ways about the world and about you. This is why when I'm saying like, you guys come into your prefrontal power, engage that part of your brain, the human part of your brain. This is why I'm telling you, that's where we want to be making our spending choices from, the choices with our money, because that's the part of our brain that actually cares, that actually has our best interest at heart, that is thinking past this moment and who does have your financial well-being top of mind. She is the BFF. One is the friend and one is the foe. Okay. I want you to think of them like friend, foe, you know, the little angel sitting on one shoulder and the little devil sitting on the other shoulder that are constantly just like fighting against each other. Those are the two parts of your brain. I know that you're probably like, okay, well, what do I do about it, Paige? And I understand that. We're not going to get into that in this episode because this episode would truly be three hours long. I have a lot of past episodes where I'm talking about like how to come into your prefrontal power. And I will be doing an episode that's kind of like a part two to this episode of like, okay, now that we understand that this is our brain, what can we do about it? But I do want to leave you with just a couple of things and a couple of insights that can help you right now. The first thing that I want you to just kind of realize after listening to this episode, if you're feeling kind of like, well, man, this sucks. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, this isn't good. I don't want to have this like mean girl and this kind of like bully of a brain inside of me. Here's the first thing I need you to realize is that you're not unique in this. This is all of us. All of us have a brain that works this way and that operates this way. And all of us can kind of come to the point where we're like, that makes sense. I'm not saying I like it. And I'm not saying that it's a good thing that our brains work this way. 
But when I understand the job that my brain is trying to do, I can at least find understanding of it. I can at least get to the point where I'm like, that makes sense. And knowing that you're not alone in this, it's all of us. Your brain isn't unique and it's not broken in that sense. Nothing has gone wrong. And in fact, I would argue that everything is working how it should. If I was going through that list of those cognitive distortions with you and you're like, yep, I do that. I label, I project, I catastrophize, I do all of those things. It's like, listen, that's not to say that there's something drastically wrong with you. All of our brains do that. And the reason that your brain is doing that is because it's trying to do its job and it's trying to be efficient and create these mental shortcuts for you, which is why your brain is doing that. So it doesn't mean that anything's gone wrong. And when you realize, oh, nothing has gone wrong, then we can have compassion for our brains, literally, as silly and crazy as that sounds. We can have compassion for the bully. We can have compassion for our inner mean girl when we understand what her motive is. But your lower brain is a bully. She's a mean girl, but that's okay. Even though she is, we can have love and compassion for her when we understand the job that she ultimately is out trying to do for us. The second realization that I want to give you, and this is a realization that truly changed my life, was the realization that you are not your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. I'm going to read you part of the book that opened my eyes to this realization. It's a book that's called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And this was the book that showed me that there is the world and then there are our thoughts about the world. And the model shows us this as well, you guys. The model shows us that we have the circumstances of the world, the black and white, the things that happen outside of us that we don't have any control over. But then we have our own thoughts about the black and white circumstances of the world. And one of those things we cannot control, and the other part we can control. But when I started to realize, oh my gosh, there's me and there are my thoughts. And for so long, I thought I am my thoughts. Then I came to the realization of I am not my thoughts. I'm simply just the person who thinks those thoughts. I am the thinker of my thoughts. And when I made that key separation between those two things, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so huge because if I realize that I am not my thoughts, then I don't have to identify with them if I don't want to. I don't have to listen to every single thought and belief and like train that my brain sends me on. I don't have to attach to those thoughts and have them be like a deep part of me if I don't want them to. I don't have to believe and obey every single thought that my brain gives me because there's me and there's my thoughts. And I am not my thoughts. I am simply just the thinker of my thoughts. And really having that separation between those two things, you guys, was like so huge for me. It really opened up so much of my world to kind of make that differentiation between the two. So here is a little snippet out of the untethered soul that I want to read you guys. So he says, you recreate the world within your mind because you can't control your mind, whereas you cannot control the world. That is why you mentally talk about it. If you can't get the world the way that you like it, you internally verbalize it, judge it, complain about it, and then decide what to do about it. This makes you feel more empowered. 
you recreate the outside world inside yourself and then you live in your mind. What if you decided not to do this? There is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. If you watch it objectively, you will come to see that much of what the voice says is meaningless. The truth is that most of life will unfold in accordance with forces far outside your control, regardless of what your mind says about it. If you're willing to be objective and watch all of your thoughts, you will see the vast majority of them have no relevance. They have no effect on anything or anybody except you. They are simply making you feel better or worse about what is going on now, what has gone on in the past, or what might go on in the future. Eventually, you will see that the real cause of problems is not life itself. It's the commotion the mind makes about life that really causes problems. All right. So how crazy is that? Again, that just blew my mind. So remember, we start with having compassion for our inner mean girl, for the bully that is the downstairs part of our brain. We understand it has a job to do, and we can have empathy and compassion for the job that it's simply out just trying to do. And we can also realize that it is an option not to listen to it, that there is our mind and our brain, and we are separate from that. You are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. Like he says in the book, there's your thoughts, but you are the one who observes the thoughts, who hears the thoughts. And I really hope that that observation gives you as much peace as it's been able to give me because it's truly changed my life. So again, you guys, I know this was a long episode. Let's just go ahead and, you know, if there was a bell, I'd ring the bell and like dismiss you guys from class because it's like class is adjourned. I know we fit a lot in this episode and your brain might be hurting. Mine honestly kind of hurts sitting here after recording this with you guys. But I really hope this episode helped you and that you got a lot out of it. And if you did, please don't be shy about sharing it on your social channels send it to friends. It means so, so much to me, you guys, when y'all are sharing the podcast with your network. Seriously, it just makes me so, so happy. I actually have a fantastic guest episode coming up for you guys next week. So make sure to tune in next Tuesday. And I have some exciting news, not to be like that girl who's like, oh, I have exciting news. But I'm actually hopping on a plane tomorrow to fly out to LA to do something kind of exciting that I will be telling you guys about. I probably won't do it next week on the guest episode, but just stay tuned to like Instagram and things like that because I'll be sharing it with you guys. It's pretty cool. Okay, you guys have a fantastic week. I love you all. Bye. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. 
your results are guaranteed, or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.